You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Welcome to the Imperfect Buddhist Podcast. My name is Matt Hawk Mahoney, and this episode is going to be about addiction and habits. I think it's important that we talk about addiction and habits pertaining to mindfulness and Buddhism because it's one of those divisive topics where it would be easy to say, how can I be a Buddhist or a mindfulness practitioner when I'm smoking a cigarette or binging on alcohol? Obviously, addictions can be much worse than what this episode's going to center around. Some people's addictions are things like heroin, meth, you know, these these substances that can take over and take root in your life in ways that can destroy, you know, the fabric of your community, the community you're in, and can destroy your health, finances, and all those things. So I know it's not something to be taken lightly. I think that the spiritual community the yoga community, the healthy eating community has a tendency to scoff at or to demonize addictions, especially unhealthy ones like fast food, cigarettes, alcohol. And the beautiful thing about my podcast is it's called The Imperfect Buddhist. I'm not someone that's trying to be perfect or appear perfect. I'm here to connect with you as someone that's on the path and we're walking it together. I have struggled with different addictions in my life. From what I can tell, I have an addictive personality. I was addicted and a, a consistent smoker of cigarettes. I turned 18 till about 20. After that, I was introduced. I'd had caffeine, obviously. We're all, we all have had caffeine if our parents let us drink Coca-Cola and Pepsi. But I didn't realize it was an addiction, actually, until this year. Be, you know, began to get in that addictive mind of caffeine. And so I recognize a addictive part of myself and my mind. Luckily, I have not been touched with, like I mentioned before, the harder drugs. And I'm very fortunate and thankful that those have not found a way to infiltrate my life and my body. My heart goes out to people that are struggling with those things. I have some close friends that, some of my actual best friends growing up, people I consider brothers, his life has been greatly impacted by heroin use and it's one of those things, as someone from the outside, you just, you, you watch and you just watch this person's life become consumed and become something that no one ever planned for. And, and that is life, right? It's what we don't plan for. And who knows how the world and the universe and all of these forces that we don't understand will come to play. And perhaps this person will become far greater and more powerful later on because of this extreme addiction that he is suffering with. Buddhism has an interesting past with what it says about alcohol use, nicotine use, caffeine, drugs in general. Sometimes, especially Western American Buddhism, depending on the lineage or where you practice, it, you can almost get a kind of like a hippie Buddhist vibe, right? Like we're going to meditate and then go smoke weed and that's cool. The temple I lived at in Portland, Oregon, I don't actually think anybody that lived there, you know, smoked or really drank too much that I knew about. 
And this actually just may be a Western thing, I'm not sure, but it seems when it comes to the precepts of Buddhism about its use of alcohol or mind-altering drugs, especially in the way that it's taught, when I took precept classes in Portland, Oregon, there's a little bit of wiggle room there about how and when and what mindset you're in when you're using these things, are using them in a mindful way. I'm sure this is something that over the years of practice that I'll do and you'll do, more will come to light as far as what resonates it's true. And one thing I turn back to is the 16 Bodhisattva precepts. And I've mentioned these in other podcast episodes. One of the 16 precepts seems pretty cut and dry. It says, do not become intoxicated. Polish clarity, dispel delusion. Goes on to say, in the realm of the intrinsically pure Dharma, not harboring delusions, is the precept of not becoming intoxicated. We are naturally pure. There is nothing to be deluded about. This is enlightenment itself. Understand this truly, and no intoxicants can be taken in. Makes your head spin a little bit, right? Because it's not saying, like, don't do drugs, don't smoke cigarettes, don't drink alcohol. It's almost saying, like, it doesn't matter if you do those things. You're naturally pure. I'm sure my understanding of this precept as a lay practitioner, may be somewhat shallow. But on the face, it talks about understanding your natural pureness, that nothing, no intoxicant can be taken in. No intoxicant can be taken in. Something to ponder. So now we're going to move into a close-up in my life about stories and struggles about addictions and habits, and how they've played a part in my life interacted with my Buddhist practice and mindfulness studies. So let's start where we're standing. Today I was shooting a stop motion film for a record company called Vinyl Moon. A couple of my friends came to help and they were in the film and I've been friends with Benny and Lily for a little over a year, two years. I met them at a grocery store I worked at here in Jacksonville, Florida and we've done a lot of hangouts. We play music, and we drink, but also what happens during those times is we smoke cigarettes when we're drinking and partying. So today we're shooting this film and that addictive energy starts to rise up. I know Lily typically has a pack of cigarettes. And so, you know, that energy starts to rise up. Of course, as the old saying goes, you know, cutting down a sprout before it turns into a tree. You know, if I could have found my breath and my mindfulness in that moment, perhaps the words wouldn't have slipped out of my mouth. Hey, do you have a cigarette? Yeah, turns out she didn't, but I ended up giving her a little bit of money to run down to the store so she could buy a pack for herself and, you know, let me bum a couple. So we sat in the park underneath the oak trees and smoked cigarettes. And that karmic process, and when I say karma, my understanding of karma has actually changed over the years. Karma for a lot of people, when they say karma's a bitch, or that's karma, bro, do something bad, something bad comes to you. That's the Western understanding. But practicing with the temple, Dharma Rain temple in Portland. One of the teachers named Kakumyo, amazing teacher, has been practicing for many years, helped paint a different picture of karma for me. If you could imagine a circle in your mind or your body of these different processes that we take part in. And as I began hanging out with Lily and Benny, having fun and laughing, this wheel began to spin. The word came out, hey, do you have some smokes? And that's part of that karmic wheel because I couldn't catch it. I couldn't catch that process from beginning. Then the next process began, which was getting the cigarette. And then the next process, which was smoking it. Another part of that karmic wheel is the regret and the shame of doing so. 
that happens afterwards. And imagining that circle as you continue around from the smoking to the regret, then comes the resolve. Oh, I will not smoke again. I will not do take part in this inhaling of tobacco smoke again. And a lot of people don't think of you know that resolve to quit as being a part of that karmic circle. But in my practice, I've seen it as being such that it's actually a part of that same energy pattern. You know, we're stacking these different layers on there, craving the cigarette, asking for it, smoking it, regretting it, resolving to never do it again, and then the process starts over. And mind you, I, I had been a regular smoker. Now I'm, I hate to say it, I'm an occasional smoker, but I, don't, I actually don't identify as that. But so far, the statistics would say that that's the case, you know, maybe once a month. And it's a pattern I'm becoming aware of. And addictions are interesting because it's not just that cigarette that is the problem. You know, I could be walking down the street and there might be a guy smoking. And it's like, I don't crave that. I don't want that. But then we add in the karma of the friends. Okay. So now I've drank with these friends before and we were in a similar situation where we were having fun, playing music, being creative. And the cigarettes, addictions are funny like that. There's just different concoctions that can be made by different mixtures of things. So pretty much where I'm at with the cigarette smoking is really just coming back to the mindfulness practice and taking a step back, being aware in those moments when those karmic patterns began to turn. Another really powerful practice, which my wife brought up to me, was she was reading an article about a guy that had a similar struggle. He was a mindfulness practitioner, but he would be occasional smoking, or maybe he was a heavier smoker. But the way he quit was... Instead of just creating all this resolve in his mind about how he would quit, he just became very, very aware every time he'd smoke a cigarette, feeling the heat of the smoke as it entered his body and just watching the effects it had on him, which really, when you pay attention, are not not desirable. I get a bit of a headache. My body tends to tremble and just be kind of off kilter. My thoughts seem a bit frazzled, like literally smoke in the mind. I've created a smoke mind. And that can be just a powerful practice in itself. You find yourself becoming helpless towards this thing. Okay, well then completely be where you are while you're doing it and feel it to the fullest. Really just watch what's happening. And sometimes that's enough to break the chain. The second example or the second experience of working with addiction and habit is alcohol. I used to have a lot of fun even before I was legal to drink. 18, 19, 20, with my bandmates touring and drinking and playing shows. And you got this really good buzz where things got fuzzy and inhibitions were pushed back and you could just laugh and have fun and shoot the shit. It seems like my body chemistry has changed because I really don't, unless I drink like a half thing of hard alcohol, I just really don't get drunk. It takes a lot for me to get buzzed now. And as I've just been learning more about myself and reading articles and things, I just don't see the benefit of drinking, of consuming alcohol. It does a lot of things negative to your brain. And honestly, I feel depressed, you know, day or two after I'm in a negative mood. Additionally, drinking alcohol lowers my ability and instinct to avoid cigarettes. I begin, you know, wanting to chain smoke and things like that. It's tricky because I, you know, I say to myself, oh, I don't want to drink again or, you know, come home and maybe I had drank it enough to get really buzzed and like, I just, it doesn't serve me anymore. It's a kind of a self-defeating thing. And it seems like the many times I resolve, it's like I find myself in a situation where it's like, oh, it's okay right now. You know, it's Thanksgiving, you're at your uncle's house, uh, you just drink. So it's a tricky one. I think right now it's still a subject that I'm 
practicing with and practicing through. The imperfect Buddhist, I don't have all the answers, but maybe sharing this, maybe you can relate. I would like to end the you know reflection process by saying I have conquered one of my addictions. And conquered is a very divisive word. I understand that. But I would say that I have come to terms with and faced the things I didn't want to face. And I've come to terms with the things I didn't want to face that I was using some substance to avoid the feeling of. And I've actually been, other than a couple of you know moments where I maybe drank a soda and didn't realize it had caffeine, I've been off caffeine for about a year now. And Resolving my caffeine addiction has been one of the most powerful things I've done for my mental, emotional, physical health, probably ever, other than quitting, you know, regular smoking. We're addicted for many different reasons. Caffeine, for me, it was like when I I was really kind of like in a depressed state. My dad had died when I was 19. And then my grandparents, or my grandma, my aunt, all on that side of the family. I was just in kind of a depressed state. And then I started using caffeine and it like kind of gave me this focus. I was starting to get things done. And then I started to have some success with music and I would be drinking caffeine. And I was like, I started to create this story about like how I needed caffeine to get things done, right? Because before that I hadn't, I was ADD and depressed. And so caffeine must've been the reason why I was able to get these things done. The story in my head about why I needed it. And so, you know, take that habit of pretty much abusing caffeine to the point where you know, wake up and you have a cup of coffee, get to work and you have a cup of coffee. You finish that one, you pour another cup, you start sipping that through the day, finish that, you get home, you want to work on music, fill up another cup, start drinking that. It was fine for a while until my adrenal glands stopped doing what they were supposed to and I found myself in a frazzled, anxious mess most of the time, scratching my head trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with me. And so what had to happen was I had to embrace the unknown. The healing began to happen when I faced the fear, when I faced the thing that I was avoiding through using a substance. Caffeine was, in my mind, protecting me from lethargy or being too tired and lazy. It was offering me this great creative mind where all these amazing things were happening. But in reality, it was zapping my true creative energy. It was putting me in a mindset where I couldn't think, process in a long-term beneficial way and so it was like stepping into that moment saying here I am like I'm ready to experience the unknown I'm not going to use caffeine anymore and it was it was hard for a while I felt like I did lose some edge creatively and in just life it wasn't you know as zippy and fast eventually my natural energy came back and it's much more consistent and long-winded than caffeine this episode has been an interesting one because this is one of the episodes, this is one of the first episodes where I feel like I'm not at a point where I have a good like grasp on it when it comes to em- employing mindfulness with addictions and habits. So it's a little bit uncomfortable to like kind of just share the rawness of where I'm at with it. I'm definitely in a much better place than I was when I was 20, but still in a place of discovery when it comes to using mindfulness, Buddhist principles, with addiction. Also, I want to encourage you that if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and save this podcast to your liked podcasts. Helps me stay in touch with you when I put out new episodes. You'll get an alert. and also helps me connect with other mindfulness and Buddhist practitioners out there in the world. I appreciate you sharing this time with me today, and I look forward to connecting with you again next week. Have a great day.